Welcome to the Diary of a Sales Expert podcast. My name's James White, and I'm on a mission to help business owners and sales professionals all over the world get incredible sales results. So thanks for listening, and let's get started. All right, welcome to another edition of the Diary of a Sales Expert podcast. And as you know, I also love to do some brilliant interviews with fantastic business leaders when I uh, do these podcasts. And I'm absolutely thrilled to be joined by a friend of mine, Bradley Hatchett, who is the founder and uh, managing director of Network My Club, who is uh, and has been a, a which is a fantastic growing organization based um, in the UK, but is growing maybe overseas in time. We'll talk about international expansion in time, but, but Bradley's uh, created uh, Network, started Network My Club. And has had a, a fantastic business career in sport and and uh, in other areas. And I'm really glad that he's able to join me and short talk about networking and how sales and business and anything we can do to to, to achieve great results. Through uh, Bradley, thanks so much for joining me and giving up the time. Brilliant to be here, James. Good. To, I'm looking forward to it. So, look, I've tried to do a bit of an introduction for you there, but I've probably I've probably done it a slightly wrong. But talk to people that don't know you a little bit about your your history. I know you worked in sports and then you decided to set up Network My Club. So, give people a little bit of a of a, of a flavour of what you've got up to when you started Network My Club. Yeah, for sure. So Network My Club is a business networking events and membership organisation. So um, currently, as a, as a speaking now, we are based across London, the South East, and, and starting to expand into new territories. And uh, one of the, um, I guess, the, the, the history of Network My Club is, first and foremost, I'm absolute sport fanatic. So I, I wanted to be involved in sport in one way shape or form and when i realized i wasn't probably going to make it as a professional be it football cricket golf whatever it might be um i decided that i just wanted to be involved in in sport and um effectively network my club uh we 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 operate all of our events out of sports stadiums so that's our that's our usp as it were so all of our events are in these really iconic and inspiring sporting environments which are great to bring people together in um, and that idea came from my time working at Brighton and Hope Albion for five years in the uh, commercial sales team so those sponsorship partnership sales I spent five years working there um, selling to local businesses uh, whether it's hospitality or partnerships or sponsorships and I also used to run networking events out of the Amex Stadium and realized very quickly that the stadium was empty for 95% of the year and saw a good opportunity and I saw a, a challenge that a lot of other stadiums had was to fill those stadium, fill those rooms outside of match days. And that's what we helped them do by bringing businesses to the stadium. And then in turn, those stadiums are great places to do events from because they're really accessible. They've got great backgrounds and they're really sort of inspiring and, um, and, uh, and iconic in their own right. So um, that's a little bit of, uh, history behind how I started it, my background, um, why it exists. But uh, as I say, as a sport fanatic, I'm, I'm thrilled every week I get to travel to some kind of sports stadium and, and get to meet some brilliant businesses and, and deliver some, some some networking events. And, and we're going to come on and talk about lots more about networking in general, but for you as the USP of creating Network My Club, it's a really interesting USP, isn't it? Because you mentioned sort of that's our sweet spot. And of course, networking is... There is lots of different networking organisations out there, but for you to go and say, no, actually, we're going to take this to to big stadiums. Like I know you do the Amex Stadium, do Oval, I know you do Ascot Racecourse, some you know absolutely incredible places for sporting events. It's a it's a really nice niche, isn't it? Because yes, people wanted to go to the base, but also wanted to network at the same time. So 
So, so yeah. was it, when you looked at the idea for it, did you, you know, did, how did you sort of get that form, you know, formed and started? Apart from sort of knowing that there was this gap there, what were the sporting mm. like to start with with you, and were they open to the idea? Yeah, for sure. I think first and foremost, the challenge to address and the problem we are solving is the fact that these stadiums are hugely underutilized outside outside of their main purpose, be it football, cricket, rugby, racehorses, or whatever it, whatever it is. Um, so that was the first problem we were solving. Then as we started to do events, you know, I was still fairly young at that point, even though I'd been out going to lots of networking events in, in my previous roles. I think one of the, the, the most common pieces of feedback we started to get were a, these venues are great. You know, they're really, they're really cool to, to, to come to in it. And, and so the secondly, it was this makes a difference from a restaurant or a bar or a hotel where. And nine out of 10 networking events tends to take place. And, you know, I've been in those events myself. You know, you, you go into a, a restaurant or that, that hotel conference room and it, you, you're really struggling for that conversation. It's not, it's not flowing. You know, you, it, it's quite a sterile environment. And, you know, the, what we've learned was that those sport, those sporting backdrops helped start the conversations, which, when you're at a networking event, that is one of the hardest things, right? People, you know, in, in my time, the, the, the most common challenge I've, I've found from networkers that are out there is how do I join conversations? How do I leave conversations? And, and we just started to learn that these, these amazing sporting backdrops just help start a conversation, whether you like sport or not, because you might find a sport fanatic meet and not so much of a sport fanatic. And they, you know, that, that, that person is just eager to tell that other person about why the why the backdrop is so historic and what's gone on before there and um it just just happens to be a really good conversation starter so that that um i guess that that secondary sort of benefit that we found from hosting events at sports stadiums came a little bit later on but the first problem we helped solve were was working with these sports clubs and sports stadiums to help bring businesses together at, at their venue which as i say very very accessible with public transport, parking, et cetera, which is a, a, a big box to tick when it comes to events. Obviously, you've been in business now for, I don't know, I'm not sure when you found it, what date you found it, you know, never much up, but first move from being in sales and working and, you know, having the paycheck every month to, to set it up <laughs> your own business. How, you know, how did that, how did that feel? And, and what we describe that, those sort of thought processes, because it is a challenge for anyone in business, isn't it, to go and start your own thing and to, you know, you've now built a team and you've got, you know, this great infrastructure in place, but it wasn't always that way, right? I'm guessing the first few months were a bit scary or were they? Talk, talk, talk to us about how, how that went, you know, how that came about and, and how it felt for you. Yeah, I, I think I was a little bit naive at the time that I just jumped straight into it. I started the business when I was 24, 25, so really young, um, to be honest. And, you know, I saw this, you know, had this idea in front of me and thought, how hard could this be, really? <laughs> Hugely underestimating how hard it is to a start a business, run a business, and then you know get a get an idea off the ground. Um, so yeah, you're right. Going from that that very secure salary that you get every year to then overnight, you go right. I've got to drive this business forward. You've got to be everything, right? As a as a sole business owner, you've got to be salesperson. You've got to be marketing person. You've got to be absolutely everything so i learned that very quickly um i think one of the things that's been very much installed in me is a is a is a really 
driven work ethic from my, my parents. Mum's got a bit of a entre- entrepreneurial background. Dad has has been working in the city for as long as I've been alive and on those 5.30 trains uh, in the morning into London and back at half seven. So growing up around mum running her own business and dad doing that, it was it was kind of like right to earn, to earn you know, the, the, a, a good life. You've, you've got to work hard. And, and I guess when I came to the point of starting starting the business, I was I, I consider myself very lucky that, you know, at 24, 25, I didn't have any big commitments. You know, I didn't have a mortgage. I was still living at home at the time. I didn't have a partner or anything like that. So for me, it was mum, you know, with her entrepreneurial background said, look, there's a spare bedroom we can convert into an office if, if you really need it. And, you know, you can live here rent free for, for, for as long as you really need to see if the idea is, is, is that is, is one that we can, we can get off the ground. Um, and, uh, I used the Royal we there, <laughs> you know, it, particularly in the first couple of years, but, um, yeah, starting in 2015, 16 and 24, 25, you know, I think I was just very naive to what came, um, behind running, running a business. And probably if, if, you know, if I had my time again, knowing what I know now, would I have made that jump? Probably not, but I'm, you know, so proud of myself that, you know, we did, I did. And, uh, you know, I, I, I have a lot of people to thank, particularly my parents for giving me that support and that background to, you know, not have to worry about other things. And I know a lot of people aren't as blessed, you know, with, with that, particularly when starting a business, maybe a little bit later on in life. So, you know, anyone that starts a business of, of any age, but particularly ones that come a little bit later in life with those bigger commitments and, you know, real, um, real, real bills to pay, should, should we say? I think get where they where they get get my utmost respect, and they're the people that um you know that I I, I just bow to when when I when I see them and think of them to 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 do that with all that behind you. If you know, don't know if I would have that um today than when I was a wet behind the ears twenty four twenty five so when I when I started it. It's well, some really good points you make there, and and it's it's also the you know, I was going to ask a question around who inspires you and sort of what drove you on to doing what you're doing and, and and like you say parents and also other other influence i know your brother is a big influence on your life in terms of his also yeah. not just from a sporting perspective but from a mindset perspective in terms of what you know what he you know, having those role models is is critical though for a business owner isn't it because especially a lot of people that come to you know you know, and you, and, you know we'll talk about networking club a little bit at the end because you, know, you have hundreds of people that come to the events and some of them are bigger and some of them are smaller businesses but yes being being a small business owner is tough you need those sources of inspiration and motivation and drive and help behind you you know even if you haven't got them from parents whether it's friends or you know people that are close to you isn't it you need that support yeah for sure yeah i'm, I'm glad you mentioned my brother actually and, and i know you know him because if he happens to be listening and, and find himself listening to this and i didn't mention him i'm sure i would hear about it over christmas lunch in the next couple of weeks um but no you, you, you're completely right i was again very fortunate to have a really good support network around me and a brother that was extremely driven to become a professional cricketer against all odds and then go through the adversity he did having to retire really early and reinvent his life uh, to, to to an extent um so yeah huge huge inspiration my my godfather, uh, Richard, who's also a co-director in Network My Club. So he's the reason I work or started to work in the business side of sport. But he, he, he has a background working in broadcasting, um, specifically in, in sports. So the Olympic Games and Champions League and some really 
amazing um, organisations. And he was that that person as as one of Dad's really good friends. You know, when I was growing up and getting taken to all these amazing Champions League games when I was really young, and I'd always leave saying, "Dad, whatever Richard does, I I want to do that." And um, you know, he you know when when it got to that point of um, once having to make that leap from aid salary, you know, secure, safe, you know, safe life, as it were, into starting your own business. And the, and the real one, no, mum suggested to just run the idea by Richard. And, you know, Richard came on board as a, as a silent partner, but more advisor and just really gave me that support that I needed. And again, came from my own personal network that I'm very fortunate to, to have. So yeah, you're right. You, to, to run a business is extremely lonely, and that's something that you know I've I've, I've come to learn. Um, but thankfully, you know, I've got a very good personal network, and then over the years, just built up a really good professional network, which I'm sure we'll come on to, and and that's helped me not just in terms of growing the business, but it's helped me from a psychological psychological perspective and uh, and a perspective of not making running a business seem so lowly because you realize actually you're not in you're not alone and uh you know you, you, there's many other people in similar positions to you so having that balance of a professional and personal network is is, is key because you can get something from from each it is key you're right but but it's also you know it's a, in the case of who you are as a person because a lot of people as you know i mean mentoring is, is a thing that I, I know well and helping people you know grow and develop their business is key so a lot of people sometimes you know you know, having a mentor is great, but you've got to take the advice on board of the mentor as well. I mean, half the time, if you've got someone like Richard, who's obviously been there and done it in business, and you know, there'll be, there be times I'm sure where you'd have thought, I'm sure I should go down this route, and then you've got someone, you know, that, that's that's maybe giving you a different path or different, um, a, a different not different path, but just a different thought process to go through. So it's, it's still being able to yeah. apply those, you know, those elements, isn't it? It's 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 no point having someone there if you can't, you know, go and take it or take their their feedback and advice on board. No, for sure. And I think, you know, where Richard maybe lacks in running a small business, for example, um, he's been there, done it when it comes down to contracts and negotiations and, and drawing up agreements, which is something that we do with, with, with all of our partner stadiums and venues. You know, very early on, I'd get a, I'd, I'd draw up a terms of agreement and a contract and send it across to a venue and they'd amend it and just because I was so giddy and eager to get this, uh, get the idea off the ground, you know, I would have just gone, yes, 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 no problem, and and just um, just abided by all their, their their suggestions and terms. Whereas Richard saw things a bit longer term and said, actually, we need to protect ourselves in this instance. We need to look at this. We need to look at that. So, um, yeah, I, th- I think you you can draw you can draw experiences and knowledge from different people in different ways, and and I guess that that comes down to knowing. The people that are around you and i've done very similar in my own um sort of development of a mentor and a number of mentors that i work with you know when i started building a team i wanted to work with someone as a mentor who has become renowned or has got experience in building a team because that's something for me that i take a lot of pride in and, and want my team to get you know to feel like they're part of there's something rather than just coming into work nine to five. So I purposely started working with two mentors actually that had experience running small businesses with teams. But then one of my other mentors was one of the co-founders of, of Ted Baker. And, you know, he was, you know, instrumental in their employee engagement programs that, 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 that they became renowned for. So I, 
yeah, I think it's about understanding where you need that support and perhaps who in your network can, you know, be that support because equally I can also help others in, in my network in, in different ways. So I think it, it has to work both ways, of course. Um, and you can't just be take, take, take. And I'm sure we'll come on to that from a networking perspective. But yeah, when you're, when you're running a business and building up a network, it's very, it's very important to understand where and who that person could add value because that helps them, you know, become a valuable person in your network, which you will feel more obliged to help down the road for sure. Um, and, and vice versa, you know, where, where, where can you help others in, in, in your own experiences? Yeah, look, I'm, I'm going to come on to talk about networking in, in a minute, but sort of final question, look, final question before we get to that point is, is around what can business learn from sports? Obviously you're involved in sports, you know, been involved in sports from an early age and you, you know, but, you know, but you've seen it also with, with, with but also in the events you run, yeah, there is some, you know, that you are connected with sport day to day in what you do. So what, mm. what's some of the top, top two or three things that you think businesses can learn from sport? Because they are very much about winning and succeeding, but that maybe those in sport also just take, you know, yes, yeah, slightly different views of how you do it. I mean, any, any suggestions you share with people on what, what we could, we as business people can learn from those in the sporting arena? Yeah, for sure. I mean, um, from a, a, an involvement from a professional sport environment, you know, being very close to my brother and playing cricket with a lot of ex and current professional cricketers, you get to pick their brains and understand, you know, a lot of um, a lot of those similarities and crossovers. And we've been very fortunate to work with certain organisations that help professional athletes transition out of the game when they have to retire into the business world, into the real world, shall we say? Um, and I've and I've learned a lot of those crossovers from you know the 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 fact that a lot of athletes are very target driven. You know, you give them a target and you give them a path. You know, they're very determined to to make that to make that happen. Um, you know, one of the things that I think I've learned from that sense in my own personal experience is that teamwork element. Um, is that being able to 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 work as a as a team? Um, I think personally, one of the best things my my parents did was to not force but because my brother and I were, were probably going to play sport one way shape or form but you know I, I used to play football on a Saturday and Sunday throughout the winter I then would play cricket through the week through the su- through the summer and 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 typically through the winter in indoor in indoor cricket and I genuinely have built up a lot of my personal and now professional network from from playing sports so from my experience as a as an amateur athlete and I think there's a lot of people and business owners out there that play amateur sport, you know, what you have to remember is you never know who people in your team know. And I can give some really good personal examples of that. So I got the job working at Brighton at the Amex Stadium because I used to play football with the marketing manager at uh, at, at Brighton. And I was just sat in the changing room and said, oh, Alan, I'm, I'm just about to leave you know, my internship and I've got nothing to go into. I know the Amex has just opened and you weren't there. Is there anything I can do to come in and, and help? And following week I was in having a meeting with Alan and the commercial manager and lo and behold, they needed an extra pair of help, an extra pair of hands because the new stadium had just opened. And, and that, that all came from the fact that I played football with, with that person. And I think bring it forward to now. And even though I don't play as much sport now, uh, play, still play cricket, but you know, in my team alone, you've got you know digital marketing managers, you've got um, you've, you've got designers, you've got people that work in clothing, you've got all, all sorts of walks of life. And I think sport 
or gives opens doors to to lots of opportunity and i say it's similar to going into a networking event you never know who in that room can can change the course of your business or even your life and i think the same with playing sport you never know who those people who those people know and you get to know these people very well outside of business and you form a human relationship and no doubt you're going to be talking about business and I, I've I've been very fortunate that when I when I've played sport, you know, I've built up a great personal network. But you have to remember that your personal network can still become a professional network because everyone has careers and 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 could have a a door to open for you. So um, I think from my personal experience, as I say, you know that that being in a team environment, not knowing who everyone knows, but those crossovers between sport and business are, are, are so apparent. And uh, I can't speak from a professional standpoint, but I could definitely speak from a amateur sporting uh, perspective. But you mentioned a number of things there, which I think are key, which is you know, a, about the network, which we'll talk to me, but also about that element of teamwork and, and utilise it. And especially for you at Network Box Hub, as you grow, you know, I've had the you know, privilege and pleasure to meet your team. And, and the one thing I'll say, you know, about, you know, not only are they great at what they do, but they're so engaged as part of the process. They feel part of Network My Club. It's never a case of you're talking to someone that's just a receptionist at a networking event, which actually is huge credit to you that they they sort of embody and breathe this passion that you do for it, which which is actually really difficult in some cases for a lot of business owners to get that through to, to their team because, you know, everyone's everyone knows that the business is, you know, owned by an you know a director or a, a leader, but you know, whenever they just embody it. So, what do any before we get in? I'm going to get into the networking bit. Is there any one, yeah, one or two things you've done to to embed that team's culture? And it's not just so critical, isn't it, for small businesses? You know, first you, mm. you know, members of your team. How can you get them to be as engaged as what your team are in in, in NMC? Yeah, for sure. I think that comes again from that naivety that I had. You know, when I started taking on members of staff, you know, first and foremost, you realise when even before starting the business that you spend more time with your work colleagues than you probably do your partner and, and even your best friend. So working alongside people that A you like is a is a is an important starting point. Um I think again that naivety of starting a business I didn't really know any different. So I've always been very transparent with, with everyone from a performance perspective and numbers perspective. Um I feel like that's that's given them, you know, that's offered a little bit more uh, chance for them to empathize with with me as the owner. I've always been very transparent, you know, when people join the business and said, look, you will grow with the business and you are in a small business. So yes, you'll feel the bumps along the road, but you'll also be able to drive some real, um, some real change and some real growth and your ideas are going to be heard. And we're in a, we're a small, nimble, agile business that if you come to us with an, with a good idea and we can implement it, you will be heard and you will drive that change. And I've always, you know, again, I've, 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 my team are probably sick of me saying it, but, you know, I say to Jack, our head of sales, I say, look, mate, I'm not a sales expert. So I, I want to give you the tools that you need to do what you do best and get out your way. And same with Alicia, her, our events manager and Samantha, our membership manager. I say, I'm, I can't be an expert in absolutely everything. Of course, I'll share my opinion and my thoughts and give you feedback where I need to, but I just cannot be an expert in, in everything. So I, I, I do put that accountability on on the team. And that's something that I've learned to do more and more, which, you know, you find out, you know, who wants that level of accountability when you give it to them. Um, and I think in the early stages, for sure, I was maybe a little bit too 
hand-holding and a little bit too protective of, of, of doing that and resisting to the idea of giving that work away. And ultimately, if you give people that direction and say, this is what you account you are accountable for, that I'm not trying to do it and I don't have enough time in the day or mental capacity to try and do everyone's jobs. And I think when I've learned, when I've started to learn that, that's 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 helped. So yeah, I think just just getting people bought in and feeling part of that that journey and being very transparent um and getting them to enjoy the wins uh, with you, that's that's important. And you know, I consider myself very much part of the team. You know, I, I don't love using I hate it when people say that's my boss. You know, I've heard the team refer to me as the boss, so I absolutely cringe at that. I, I just, I just can't, yeah, can't bring myself to 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 think like that. And um, yeah, I, I think I very much refer to them as my colleagues rather than my team. And I and and that's exactly how I how I work and perceive them because they are doing as much, if not you know, more than more than I am in terms of that contributing. So. Yeah, a few few things in there. Hopefully that 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 helps. But back to my early my at the start there, I think I was just quite naive and thought you know, never running a business before, having come from big corporate background, you could call it working at somewhere like Brighton where you don't get access to numbers and things like that. It's apart from what's in your in your channel. And um, yeah, I maybe didn't know any different. And I've, I'm just always very transparent and about performance and where we are as a as a business. So. Makes a brilliant, brilliant point you mentioned. That's why you know, think four or five great elements that you you've shared there about helping people involved. And I love that one, especially around the colleagues rather than you know your team. I'm I've got a pet hate when people talk about staff, you know, and it's like staff are a sort of thing you have as a you know, as a, so you know, it feels like it's whereas actually your team, uh, your team are part of what you do. So, well, let's get into networking. So I've got sort of yeah, lost one. Come on, let's let's talk because you're you're a networking veteran now. You've been done hundreds of events or whatever. What are the top two or three things that people that when you see get so badly wrong with networking? Because unfortunately, you know, we we we've seen it all, and I think we're on the same page in some of this. But what are some of the top two or three things that you see people get badly wrong with networking? Because uh, and how can you know, and how sh- and how should they start to use networking to to grow and and and, and build their own you know, awareness of their their company and what they do? Yeah, for sure. I think there's there's two two parts to it for me. I think first part is things that happen before you even walk through the door of a networking event. So the first things first, I think people put too high expectation on on networking straight from the get-go. And what happens there is suddenly your mindset is I need to get something from this. I need to, you know, drive instant sales. I need to get a return on my, you know, return on my time, return on my investment whatever it whatever it is so that expectation drives a mindset that that leads to an approach that actually works against you when it goes networking because with that approach you walk through the door suddenly lo and behold your conversations are very much focused around you you're trying to draw all the all the conversation back to you you're using i rather than you know rather than talking about other people and and so so for me that expectation too high expectation leads to an approach where suddenly you're pitching and selling to people and and doing you're actually work it work, works against you and then it goes into you know actually going to that event like i was saying and and the way that you conduct yourself in terms of in conversations joining conversations leaving conversations you know there's so many practical things that you can consider and networking is a skill that you can hone and improve it's not 
something that you're just born with. And I've seen people that are maybe more natural than others, but ultimately there is a little bit of a science behind it. Um, and in, in summary, I think with that expectations and then that leading into the mindset and the approach, what I call it is the networking doom cycle, where basically you, you have that mentality of needing to get as much from networking as possible. You leave with that very sales and selfish approach. You then don't get anything from it because people actually push you away because you're too you know, forceful in your nature of, uh, of selling to them. And then you go away and say, oh, networking doesn't work for me. And then when your pipeline needs refilling up is like, I need to go back out networking and try that again. And it just becomes a bit of a, a doom cycle as, as, as I call it. So but that, that's um, for me where I see people sort of fall at the first hurdle before they've even started going to events is that expectation, getting your mindset and your approach and what actually networking is, getting that right first and then going to the events becomes a lot easier. Yeah, there's lots of stuff you shared there, and it, and it would you would it be wrong of me? I'll say it, but I, I feel I've been not with NMC events, I have to say, but we've been to a lot of other events where, where actually I see a lot of people that are very selfish when it comes to networking. They go into it with mm-hmm. an intention, just literally to be what they can gain from it, and they don't have this, you know, this this intrigue and curiosity to get to know someone and to understand someone else. And it feels like yeah, and we could all see them a mile off. They're people that just you go in there and you think. You're just doing this from a selfish perspective. It's as if you've just got yourself to please, not else. And uh, yeah, and they think it works, but it doesn't, does it? I mean, in general, I mean, you guys must talk to a lot of people, and and, and there'll be people that will go, oh, "It's them again, again." You know, they're coming out to to pitch their services and pitch what they do, and it just it bores people. Yeah, yeah no, for sure. And to the point where we at Network My Club have now defined even further our target market. So we have a we 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 set our target market not just demographic of those businesses geographic the geographic nature of those businesses but we actually look at you know the psychographics so how do those people think so for us what we want are business business leaders that understand that networking is a marathon not a sprint because if you understand that your approach is going to be one that we can support and that we want at the events because if you think it's a very short-term activity you know from a sales perspective and business development perspective that approach is going to be one that you're going to come into the event. You're going to be doing all those networking no-nos that you know you so often hear about. You know, just giving people business cards straight away, pitching at them, and looking over their shoulder, waiting for the next victim of, of who you can go and talk to. So, but for us, we 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 have that you, we have that psychographic element that you must fit. That it actually is two part. So it's you know you understand that networking is a marathon, not a sprint, and that you want to help others. And that for me is is just the the, the, the combination that networking is, you, you give yourself a much better chance of networking working for you with those two ways of, of thinking about it. And yeah, as I say, unfortunately, networking is a skill that when you start a business, and we go back to that point of us talking about starting a business, one of the first pieces of advice people give you is, Oh, you've got to go out and network now, haven't you? You've got to go build up your network. And people were quite quick to tell you where to go networking and, and, and what events to go to, but no one will tell you how. No one gives you that advice. No one hands you a how-to manual of how to go out and network. And that's something that I've learned over the years of running over 400 events now. And you know, I've seen the best and worst of, of networking. So that was a big reason and a big inspiration behind me starting a little personal project and that's writing my weekly 
networking newsletter called the Networker, which in in time and over the next uh, over the next few months will um, will lead into a digital course, a very affordable digital course that that people when they start networking can sort of can 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 take take in this this resource to just set them off on the on the right um, on the right path because otherwise, as I say, you go back into that networking doom cycle of not doing it the right way, attending the wrong events, and suddenly you think networking is not for you, but actually you've just not been doing it the right way, perhaps, that uh, I've seen work for a lot of people, if done right. It's, it's one of the, and again, uh, I'm, you know, I will say I'm, I'm a bit biased, I'm still a member of MC, and even though I live where I live, you, I keep saying, if you have some locations near me, I'd be, I'd, be able to be, I'd be there every week, but I certainly I go to as many as I can in London. But one of the things that a lot of people are scared of networking, and they're quite, you know, afraid of, of what it, you know, means to, to go out and networking. And, and I guess part of that is also because they get, you know, everyone's got this thing of in certain networking events, you know, you've got to stand up and do your one minute. And the good thing about your events is it's not about that. It's not about people having to stand up and be, you know, you can, you can see the look of terror on people's faces when they, you know, they've, they've got, thought they've got to stand up and, and, and do something, haven't they? So I guess you guys, uh, yep. you know, yep. benefit of what you do. And, but, but what else do you think, you know, the, the other people are scared of it and, and need tips when, someone listening to this going, yeah, but I'm scared of networking. I don't know I don't know how I can do it and I don't know what to do and where to do it. Like you say, obviously you've got your course and subscribe to the networker, but mm. any other two or three tips you'd give them if, if they're scared of it or frightened of sort of, you know, yeah. to a room of people they don't know. Yeah, for sure. I think it's I think it's that fear of rejection, isn't it? It's that fear of going into a conversation and 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 maybe people thinking that it's got you've got to be the best conversationalist out there. You've got to have hundreds of stories up your sleeve you've got to have people in the palm of your hand rolling around laughing you know that that's really not not the reality you know some of the things that you know some of the most common challenges that that i hear from people that subscribe to the networker is you know that fear of joining and leaving conversations and actually it's it's, it's quite funny so people have probably as equal fear of, of joining as leaving conversations as they do joining which is which is quite funny so i i, I often frame it and say look you're not walking into a restaurant or a bar where you're approaching groups of friends where, frankly, joining those conversations when you're not part of that group would be a little bit weird, would be a little bit strange. But you're going to a networking event where everyone has un sort of they they haven't they haven't um, actively done it, but they all subscribe to the same mentality of. I'm here to network and build my network and and uh, and meet some new people, right? So I think if you you lead with that approach and and also understand that everyone's there as fearful as perhaps you might be, as much as some people might not show it on on the face of it, but everyone is. You know, let's talk about joining and leaving conversation because that's a, a big part of where this fear stems from. So I think joining conversations. Yeah, some of the some of the advice I would share there is look at if you if you're really worrying about joining a group of people you know i, I wouldn't say join a, a group of more than three people and in, in a conversation i think at that point it becomes a little bit too much of a um you know a dynamic it's like a zoom or a team's call when you've got more than three or four people it only takes one person to speak over someone else and, and and things like that immediately also going into a group of three or more people all eyes are going to be on you as well because you've just joined the conversation so again that's quite um that's that's quite scary um, so I, I would always suggest look for a group of two people, um, that, that, that helps you, you know, build that, that dynamic. Also take it once you've grabbed a drink from the bar or tea, coffee, stand on the edge of the room and look who else is around the edge of the room. And I guarantee there will be 
someone on their own looking looking around the room or overlooking in our case it might be overlooking the pitch or something like that from the lounge and just go and you know join conversation because they were probably in that position of maybe a little bit fearful of joining conversation they've not found the right group to join um and then maybe just take a step back if you do join a conversation with two or three or more people you know just bear in mind and i'm sure you've been in this situation that if you join if you're in a conversation and it's flowing nicely and someone joins suddenly you've got you feel obliged to speak to that person and that it's got to be be all about them so I, I say there is a lot of onus on you joining a conversation. And I would suggest that if you join a conversation, say things like, look, guys, don't stop because of me. I'll join in when the time's ready and I'll see where I can contribute. I think that is a, it's, it's a really big thing that, you know, because I'm sure everyone listening that's been at a networking event and has been interrupted is not the right word because it's not, that's not the right, um, it's not the right, uh, uh, sort of, yeah, phrase. I think it's, if, you, if someone's joined the conversation, the conversation does turn to that person naturally because everyone wants to be polite and make them feel included. But actually, that you you just never know if that conversation was 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 flowing nicely and the people maybe were chatting about something really um, healthy to you know about potential collaboration or working together or something like that. So I think taking onus to to break that stigma, um, and then lastly, just leaving conversations. I think the reason. You know, I think it might be the Brit- the British nature in us, but perhaps we just feel a little bit rude um, of, of leading conversations. But actually, the reason why a lot of people are still in conversations at networking events when you look around the room is because a lot of them are too fearful to leave. So, you know, to lead those conversations, don't don't feel bad for saying, look, guys, it's been really great to meet you. I'm going to connect up with you all and we can hopefully progress this conversation. I'm here to network like I'm sure you all are. I'm just going to, going to mingle around the room and see who else is here. Now, that would be my my choice, and but I know a lot of people use the I've got to get another tea of coffee, I've got to run to the loo, I've got to do something. I would account to use that if you want, but don't be afraid to just call it what it is and say, look, we're all here to network, guys. I don't want to keep you from networking with other people. I'm going to mingle around and, and hopefully I'll I'll catch up with you a bit later. If not, we'll follow up after after the event. So long long winded answer there about some of the, the fears around networking, but I think it does stem from that joining and leaving conversation and, and wondering, you know, what people are going to think about you, right? That, that's just nature, natural uh, human nature. And they were brilliant, brilliant advice. And, and I I think the element about joining and finishing conversations or ending conversations is the bit people have that concern with. I know sometimes I, you know, I don't mind happily joining, but you do have that element of, right, I don't want to, I've enjoyed talking to this person, but I feel like a bit bad if I don't. And then, and then I also have this thing, it's maybe just me well, they'll be on their own then, and I feel sorry for them. I feel a bit bad that they're on their own. Do you know what I mean? So it's got all mm-hmm. these things. But you're right. You've got to, you know. And, and I always used to go to a networking event and try and pick up three business cards or pick up four business cards, and actually just say, right, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna get around everyone in the room, but I'm just gonna try and get to know three or four people. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I remember you shared a brilliant story about at a previous event, which is, you know, is also not judging that person. Because a lot of people, there's sometimes what they'll do is they'll go into a networking event and then they'll talk to someone and then they'll oh that person's in this area oh that's not for me i remember you shared a brilliant story about a lady who went to a networking event in, in london and you know, she had even though she, her her previous her current role wasn't relevant for someone she had a background that was incredibly high powered wasn't it and, and i remember you sharing that story i don't know if you can share it maybe with with everyone today but just be curious and be intrigued by people and realize it's not just them it's their networks as well that you're engaging with isn't it 
Yeah, something I say a lot is to think beyond the person that you're speaking to. Because again, I spoke about it earlier when you're working when you when you're playing sport. You know, you, you you've got a personal network that you can tap into when you meet people at an event, not just a professional one. And it also it's more than that. You know, what meets the eye be on a on a guest list or a name badge, right? And that, yeah, and and a, and a short summary of that story was was a lady called Kerry. She ran. She runs a, a small virtual assistant business, and you know, if people would genuinely be curious about finding out about her, because she came to me and said, "Look, Brad, everyone just seems to overlook me because I run this really small business. It's just me." But if they were interested in finding out more about her, they would have found out that she wanted to spend more time with her three kids. So that gives you something extra to talk about. She had was fed up of commuting into London for 20 plus years. And they would have found out that previous to starting this business, she was partner at one of the UK's biggest law firms. And I think people maybe wrote her off because it was like, oh, what can you do for me? But actually it's how can I help you? Who do you know? Tell me a little bit about you. And that that being curious about people, you just never know who people know. And thinking beyond that person you're speaking to will probably well. I'm going to say it will lead to more opportunities than the people that you are that you are speaking to from those referrals, from those recommendations. That that uh, is what drives a lot of business from the back of of networking. Yeah, no, brilliant. Exactly. Just be, you know, be curious and be intrigued by that person. And again, it goes back to your point at the start. If you go to you know to you know not go to every networking event every day, but if you go to one or two a month, and then you're building up a network, and suddenly you're engaging with three or four people at a time. Suddenly, that's sort of like four, six, eight, you know, eight people, and and. Whatever tips do you have for people on uh, content, you know, of, of following up as well? Because obviously, let's say you've engaged with someone that you've you've really you know found you you know been a great connection, or you've, you felt that there could be some intrigue. There's that nervousness that people have about following up as well. But I guess that's where the power of LinkedIn and those sort of tools just to just to connect up and, and arrange a virtual coffee mm. or coffee at the next event, maybe, and just get to know them a bit more. Yeah, for sure. I mean, something that you've actually taught me in the in the past, James, is not needing to follow up with absolutely everyone. I think people feel that you, whoever you meet at a networking event, you need to arrange a follow-up one-to-one. You need to have a meeting. You need to have a coffee. And actually, a lot of times people are just doing it the way, maybe as a tick box exercise or, or feeling busy. But no, I think that, that following up is crucial. I use the uh, analogy called the networking event sandwich. So you have to look at actually attending the event is the filling. The bread is the before and after of the event. And if you're not doing anything before or after the event, you're you're leaving a lot on the table. And that's what holds it together. You know, so researching the guest list before, reaching out to people, setting up your diary around the event so you can catch up with others that are either attending or clients or prospects. And then after the event, it's about, you know, following up with I think it's about following up with everyone you meet, but at different levels. So, you know, if you meet someone and you know, maybe for the first time and there's not any immediate synergy or ways that you can work together, dropping them a LinkedIn connection, personalizing a message to say, look, really enjoyed our conversation. Hopefully I'll see you at another event soon. P.S. You know, hope your son does well at his sports day in the coming week. So, so, something like that. But then if you genuinely see there's a way that you could help someone or someone could work with you or vice versa, you know, being proactive in, in following that up and saying, look, you know, can we get a call scheduled in? Shall we get a coffee or or a uh, or a in person meeting if if it's uh, if it's suitable? Um, if, um, can we get that in the diary? If not, you know, it's about nurturing that conversation. Um, I think a lot of people follow up once and maybe send a LinkedIn message or an email, don't hear anything back, and they're like, okay, move on to the next one. 
I've I've, I've got a, a process and a system that I encourage people to use, which is called the twelve four one system, and it's a weekly exercise that takes half an hour. I do it every Wednesday morning from eight thirty till nine, and it's twelve four one because you know you go into your calendar and you go twelve weeks back from the current week you're on. And you look at all the meetings, you look at all the events that you had that week, and you look at your network and say, okay, I need to reach out to that person. That person's gone a little bit quiet. I just need to say hello, or I forgot to follow that person up, and I just need to re- resurface with that. Once you've done that, you go back to the, the same week. You go back to your current week and go four weeks back, and then you, you, you've got a little bit more fresher fresher knowledge there, and you, you, you can reach out to people and say, actually, we were meant to schedule that meeting, and we didn't. Shall we get that in the diary? You know, I've um are you going to this next event i've already booked into the next one here so it allows you to keep um keep that fresh and then the one stands for the week before so you're then going back into that 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 helps you stop people slipping through the net you know did you forget to follow up anyone in particular did you mean to send that person an email did you mean to set up that meeting and what that system does and it only takes 20 to 30 minutes every week it just stops those people falling through the net and it stops those connections maybe going cold it stops those um those conversations not actually turning into anything because i'm sure we've all had that experience where we've we've left an event and gone blimey that event was really good i had a good conversation there had a good conversation there and then actually three or four weeks down the line nothing's materialized and you're thinking well that was a waste of my time but actually it's not it's because you either haven't been proactive enough or that other person that hasn't been proactive enough but yeah, take it. Take that responsibility to to do that yourself. Um, so, yeah, the the following up process is that's where I, I I use the line the magic the magic of the of networking is in the follow up, right? So, um, yeah, there's there's a little bit of that people could use. I love the twelve four one, and I absolutely love what you just said about you know when you, when you followed up with someone or you know how was your your son's you know sports day because what that shows also that you listened. So actually, that that brilliant uh, you know suggestion there of just you know you've showed you've listened to that person you've you've been considering them as a human being as well which is actually really key isn't it because that's the sort of thing that makes people go oh thanks they they actually didn't just mm. sort of hit go in one ear and out the other they actually were concerned about yeah. me and my life and such a great thing you mentioned there a great skill to have i i actually talk i i, I find networking a hell of a lot more enjoyable if i you know when i go into it going i'm just genuinely interested in finding about what people have been up to in life you know whether it's me meeting someone twice my age at an event, you know, talking about their journey, going through their career, whether it's someone similar to me, you know, what are they interested in, what they get up to outside of work. Because I think, you know, how many how many business relationships start at a human level first, right? It's human human relationship first and then business second. And you only really want to work with people that A you like and and, and you get on with. So I think for me, when when I shifted that shifted that mindset of going networking to go and do as much business as possible and collect as many business cards and collect as many relevant connections as possible and turned it into actually finding out some interesting people, interesting things around people that A, I bump into at the event and also people that I highlighted as some some people that I wanted to to get to know because suddenly you then find a common connection over something that you had, you just would, would never have never have done or maybe a lot further down the line and and doing that as early as possible and building up that human relationship makes that potential business relationship hell of a lot easier to to form 
Yeah, it does look and, and so, such great advice. And and I think you you know you've you've nailed it there with the, that element of being human. I always say to people, you know, it's sales is not B to C or B to B. It's H to H, human to human, right? So actually, if you can be human yeah. to someone and engage with them, it's going to make such a big difference. So, so of course, if, yeah. if time is flying by. We've been chatting for <laughs> yeah, I half hour talking, and this I knew we're up when we get into the discussion about networking. So look, I'm gonna yeah, I'm gonna because I'm conscious of your time and you've got a you know, number of things on. But just before you know, we finish off and just you know anything that you know as a, as a final sort of tip for for anyone that's thinking about networking, any one or two quick tips you just give them that they're they're either. Maybe they're in networking at the moment and they're and they're not seeing, you know, maybe they're getting pressure from other people to say should they be there or any tips, you know, final tips you want to mention around just you know, to, when they're thinking about their networking plans for twenty twenty four, what they should be doing. Mm. Yeah, I think I mean to speak specifically to salespeople, I think a lot of that um a lot of that pressure comes exter- from external sources, right? From line managers wanting to see a return. So I think managing that relationship with your line manager is key. I wrote I wrote an edition of the networker on exactly this and how how you could actually manage that. So by all means, head to the networker and, and find that edition. I forget which number it was, but yeah, really managing those expectations with with your manager. Um, I think focusing on less and finding the right events for you. I think understanding that networking isn't a one size fits all. So if you are going to the same events and not getting the result, you know, it's the definition of insanity, right? It's that you're doing the same thing, you know, and expecting different, uh, expecting different results. So for, for me, understanding that networking is not a one size fits all. So finding those right events, you know, speaking to other people that maybe you click with a little bit better than others and say, okay, wh- which, which other events do you go, go to? I'm, I'm, I'm trying to freshen up my networking and trying to find the right, the right events for me. Um, and I think as a salesperson, you know, you are naturally going to have those people that maybe overlook you because you might not be the managing director, you might not be the owner or, or you know, partner of, of the business. So that's where having that being curious in other people you know, really helps you stand out from all the other salespeople that are out there. And there's a there's a common line used in in networking is which is be interested, not interesting. You know, don't have to be the most interesting person. They just have to be interested in other people. And I think as a salesperson, that will help you stand out above, you know, head and shoulders above other salespeople that are out there, maybe scrapping around and and maybe having that approach that we spoke about earlier and maybe using having those external pressures on them to, to get results, but actually manage that relationship with your with your line manager, focus on less, but you know, be more intent intent forward and if that's even a word um more more purposeful in in fewer events and and be interested in others i think as a salesperson those three things are really going to help you you know get get those results from networking which are ultimately what, what everyone did it for right oh sure I, I love that and I'll, I'll add one in the end which is you know get you know, practice the, a couple of questions so one of the other things i you know i and there's a great question which you shared with me um and you you talked me about you know a couple of months back which was you know great you know, just with a couple of questions that you feel comfortable because if you are a bit nervous just have two or three questions that you can use in your mind and one that you said was great you know what are the trends that you see in your industry right now brilliant question to make someone feel intrigued about someone else and to, for you to learn right because you then can learn about the finance industry or the va industry or the printing industry or whatever it is so you know you're going to learn a couple of things that the and and, and it's one or two questions but that one being a, a good example of something that can just help you then open up conversations with people yeah no for sure those it's again. It's there's nothing wrong with going to a networking event prepared because I think a lot of people maybe make that mistake of thinking, oh, just being in the room is enough. 
and things will happen. But actually, no, there's, you know, there's nothing wrong with going to an event, you know, sitting in your car before walking to the event and looking at you know, three, four or five questions that you can just have up your sleeve. You know, you're talking about one there, you know, what trends are you seeing in your industry? What, what's, uh, what's coming up that's exciting you at the moment? What challenges have you got coming down the road? What do you get up to outside of work? And how do, you know, one of the best questions that I use in, in terms of finding out a little bit about someone from a personal human level is, you know, if you had tomorrow off, what would you spend your day doing? And typically it's, you know, I'll spend the day on the golf course or I'll take my, take my son to the park or I'll do this or I'll do that. And suddenly you can find out those little bits of nuggets of information that if you are listening and you, you, you know, you're genuinely interested in finding out about other people, you'll find ways to connect more than on a business level to start with. So look, we've come to the sort of deal towards the end of the podcast. And obviously, you know, you, there's so much more around networking that people um, learn from you. I've learned from you. Obviously, signing up to the networker is one. They can connect with you, I guess, on LinkedIn. But also, the biggest thing is come along to a network my club event, right? There's a series of networks. As I say, I, I get along to as many as I can. And there, there certainly is so many, there's some fantastic locations that Bradley and his team have got uh, access to, you know, from all over, uh, uh, you know, the southeast of, of the of, of the of, of the UK and if you get a chance to go on to an event along there they're great fun they're very you know I, I've always found they're very much there's no, there's no pressure it's very important it's a very it's a great environment to great food great location great company and great people so, so I guess that's where people can find you yeah. mainly you're always at those events but any other yeah to work out your LinkedIn they can if they want to sign up to the networker where do they have to go yeah for sure um I think the the network is probably my my the first place I would send people because I don't know where people are listening from I think the the biggest point and myth that I'll dispel around the networker is that it's completely unbiased and very agnostic to to networking, you know, because again, as I said earlier, there's no one size fits all with networking. So I'm not using the networker to promote Network My Club because Network My Club is not for absolutely everyone. We're not trying to be for absolutely for we're not trying to be for absolutely everyone. Right. So it's very agnostic. So it's really there to help senior leaders, salespeople that are out networking, become better networkers, find the right events for them, approach it with a better approach. Because if we can enhance the world of networking, you know, Network My Club will benefit, other networks will benefit, and networking will hopefully not have this stigma attached to it that it's this horrible thing and, and tainted word. Um, so, yeah, of course, the networker, if you just search the networker on Google, should be should be there at the top. Um, find me on LinkedIn. There's a link to the networker from that. I'll share lots of networking tips and tricks and insights on there. And uh, yeah, if you are in any of the locations that Network My Club are in, by all means, head to their head to our website and find an event that uh, might might be suitable for you. So, a few places that people can find me. Uh, well, I'm, I obviously it's great to have the chance to thank you so much for your time. Because even though you know you talk to give so much around networking, you've also brought a built built a brilliant business and. It's growing from strength to strength. And like we say, maybe those that listen overseas, it may well be coming an international thing in time. Wouldn't it be great to see you uh, do a network my club event at the Sydney Cricket Ground or the or I don't know, the or the uh, the, the, the Alliance Arena in Munich. There you go. There's uh, there's uh, there's maybe a vision for the future. I don't know. But um from that to show. Thank you so much for your um time, Bradley Tay, and, and sharing your thoughts on man, what is you know, what you've done as a business owner to get where you have and success you have. It's it's incredibly inspiring for other people to to just you know do what you did right and go and take that chance and go and build something and you know and you built that now and you've got that and you're helping so many people in so many ways so it's it's fantastic so thank you so much brilliant appreciate it james thanks for uh, hey. inviting me on
All good, all good. So uh, let's just say so. So there you have it. There's there's the uh, the, the the next edition of the uh, of, of the the Diver Sales Expert podcast, all around a, a brilliant business network, my club that's been created to help people uh, really go through the the element, the challenge of meeting people. Certainly, if you're based in the UK, but more importantly, as Paddy's then shared some of the stories and insights around how to build a business, but also to network effectively. So if you're unsure of how to network, head all over to the network. Uh, I, I get it every uh, used to. I used to. I think I had a, we had a chat before. I'm not sure what's happened, but. Some of the insights on there were, were just brilliant. And I uh, really encourage you to sign up for that because you will get lots of value on a, on a regular weekly basis. So, so that's it for this week's edition of the, of the, uh, the podcast. Thanks so much for giving me your ears and listening in. Uh, with Bradley, I'll put a link in the show notes. Connect with Bradley and uh, head along uh, to, to an event that he, him and his team are running. You, you won't regret it. But until next week, we'll see you soon. So thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope you've enjoyed. If you have, please subscribe to the podcast. It helps us ensure more people can get the insights and ideas they need to get incredible sales results. Look forward to seeing you on the next episode.